We confess this to put us in faith and help us with our faith because a lot of people don't truly use this wonderful book like they should. So let's confess this, put ourselves in faith about these things, and then we'll get there. Hold on. Don't put your arms up just yet. Hold on. When we started confessing this, we, we real boldly said, this is my Bible. And then we said, it's always true in the final authority because we weren't really sure, is this thing true and is it the final authority? But then we got down to, and then we said, oh, my Bible's talking to me. It got a little softer. But when we got to, I read this word daily, you couldn't hardly hear it. You could hear the church mouth more than you could hear that. Why? Because at that point, nobody was reading their word daily. However, since then, remember your confession gets you in faith, puts you in faith and keeps you in faith. What you say is what you have. Now, we've been confessing this for quite a few years. Now, we're confident that this is our Bible. Amen. We're confident that this is true and the final authority. Amen. We're confident that God is talking to us through this book. Amen. And, believe it or not, we're all reading our word daily. Now, we might Amen. miss here or there, but we're reading it a whole lot more than we were. True. Faith confession. Faith confessions bring faith reality yes, so do. that's why we do this now why do we hold it up well number one primarily the reason we hold it up is to make the devil mad true that's why primarily and faith is an action and faith is an action but see the devil doesn't want you to know what power this book has he doesn't want you to know this book he doesn't want you to believe it's the authority and, and, and truth because if you find out that what is in this book is authority and truth Woo! The devil can't have a can't get can't get over on you anymore. The devil cannot get you to do things that you should not do. Amen. The devil is under your feet when you find out what is in the good book. So now let's just make the devil mad and let's confess. All right. Ready? Yep. This is my, my Bible. Bible. It, it is, is always true and the, the final authority. authority. My Bible is God talking to me. me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. If all you do is hear the word and you never actually apply the word, this word will not work for you. You have to actually be a doer of the word. I got kind of tickled at myself because when I said, therefore, my flesh does not control me, I kind of had a Sylvester, you know, the cat Sylvester moment. You know how he kind of, his words, you know how he gets that little, that little S spitter oh, at the end? Oh, you got end. a little lisp going. Yeah, I had a little lisp at the end, I, I, and I reminded myself of Sylvester the cat. I thought, that is just comical, Lord. All right, let's turn to Galatians. All righty. So... Go through the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Well, Acts isn't the Gospels, but then you go through Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd, Corinthians, and bam, you are in Galatians. Galatians. All right. 
You sure you're there? I'm getting there. All right, Galatians. We have been studying on Galatians. This is lucky week number 13. And lucky week number 13, we are now in chapter 6. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, but let's back up a little bit and let's review a few things. Let's back up to, oh, I don't know. You don't want to go all the way back to the, to the works just of the read. flesh, do you? Let's just read, <laughs> starting in chapter 5, verse 13. We're just going to read a few oh, things boy. here. I just want to point a few things out. Don't panic, y'all. Don't panic. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. They know I get, for those that are new to the house, they know I get stuck in chapter 5. Yes, They does. know I get stuck. So <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're going to do our best to not get stuck, y'all. Let's keep going. All right. Verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. All right. Liberty. What is liberty? Don't panic, y'all. Come on. We're going to work with me. Pray for me. Don't laugh at me. We're not. Okay. Liberty. What is liberty? Yeah, we're laughing well, with you. Liberty is freedom. Does that mean if I have liberty in Christ, I can do anything I want to do? No. Well, honestly. Well, you, you, you can. You can. But, you, but either way, you're going to pay the consequences. That's right. Liberty means, the, the word liberty means you have total freedom to do anything that you want to do. Now, here's the deal. I have the freedom to go rob the local bank. <gasps> You're a Christian. You shouldn't do that. Shouldn't You're right. That. I shouldn't do it. But how much, you know, I have the freedom to do it if I choose to do it. Now, here's the, here's this, the other side of that coin. If I choose to go rob a bank, which I would not do because I'm a child of God, but if I chose to go rob the bank, I also choose to accept the consequences. Whether I know it or not. Whether I realize it or not. <laughs> the consequences are coming my way. Whether I know it or not. So this word liberty doesn't technically mean total freedom to do whatever you want to do. That's not what this word liberty means. This word liberty actually means the freedom to live as you should, not as you please. What does that mean to live the way that you should? Well, how much, you know, as children of God, God expects his children to live and behave a certain way. Yes, he does. And because, so though we have total freedom in Christ, that doesn't mean that we should use that freedom to sin. Oh, now that's that big word. Now, I'm a child of the 70s. I like those old cartoons, you know, Bugs Bunny and, you know, the Muppets and all of those. Well, in those cartoons, we all know they have from occasionally, they have those words that fall out of the sky, you know, and the letters that come with them. And as the letters fall, they squish the little cartoon character. Well, that's what I think of this. Woo, I've met my goal today. All right. Well, those letters, you know, that fall from the sky. I think when, when people hear the word sin, to me, I just see S-I-N, falling out of the sky and squishing people because that word is just so big. The church has made that word really big. That word sin. Well, of course sin, they have. They, they tell everybody, you can't, you're, just a, you're just an old sinner saved, saved by, by grace, grace, and you can't help but sin. But that's not true. Sin, so what is sin? Sin is simply choosing to do wrong when you know to do right. So liberty 
means that though you have the freedom to sin, you should not sin because God tells us not to do wrong when we know to do right. So he said, don't use your liberty for an occasion of the flesh. How much do you know? Sometimes somebody might annoy you and you just might want to give them a piece of your mind and speak to them in a rude and ugly way. Just because your flesh wants to do that doesn't mean it's the right response. Just because, just because somebody cuts you, if you're driving, and somebody kind of cuts you off and nearly causes an accident, just because you might want to run that person off the road doesn't mean that you should run that person off the road. Just because uh, you're in the store, you're, you're just because you're going up, you got a basket full of groceries or, or you've only got two or three things. This has happened to me. I've only had just, just a few things in line and I'm walking up and I'm clearly going to register, say, number four. And I'm clear, that's where I'm clearly headed. And somebody with a basket that's overflowing and got three screaming kids races in and jumps in line in front of me. And now I got to stand there through that giant basket and the screaming kids to get myself checked out. The, just because I'm annoyed does not give me the right to chew out that person with their kids and their cart full of stuff. No, I have a choice. I can either walk in love and just accept that that's the situation, or maybe I can keep my eyes out and go to another register. And, and God tells us, he says, I put before you this day life and death. Yeah. Sin and, 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 and righteousness. That's right. Light and darkness. That's right. And he says, but now here's the deal. You can choose whatever you want, but I'll give you a clue. Choose the light. Choose the right. Choose righteousness. That's right. Because that is the way to life, and the other sin is the way to death. Yeah. So if you don't want death, choose life. And we know that sin doesn't kill you immediately, at least not every sin. Doesn't, most sin doesn't kill you immediately. Most sin creeps up on you. The, the penalty of most sin creeps up on you. But let's keep reading because we've got to learn a few things here. All right. Woo, all 14. that from verse from one verse. That's right. All right. That's why they're laughing. <laughs> verse fourteen. For all for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All right. So here's the deal: If you want to do good, treat people the way you want to be treated. Now Jesus said, "The Father God, who is love." See, the Holy Spirit only says what Jesus says, and Jesus said only says what the Father says. And the Bible was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Just like the confession was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Bible is written by confession of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit only says what God, in essence, the Holy Spirit only says what God says. Yes. And God, who is love, said, love people the way you love yourself. God, having never lived on the earth, God who has never encountered uh, the hate of Satan, cannot comprehend how people would hate themselves. So it never entered the Father God's mind that we might not like ourselves or that we might hate ourselves and, then there, and therefore treat people hatefully. And it was never a consideration in God's mind. no. What we have to do is we have to learn how to love ourselves. We need to learn who we are in Christ. 
we need to learn who the Father created us to be. What's the name for this? Card. Card. Ah. The Bible, in the Bible, there's over 160 scriptures just in the New Testament alone that tells us who God created us to be. In that New Testament, and in, in, in the New Testament, uh, we took some of those, just a handful of them, and we said, this is who God called us to be, and we have yet another confession. And this is what we confess, and we confess it every Sunday. We've been confessing it all year. And we're just now to the point that we're actually starting to confess it with some boldness. Because for the most part, the body of Christ doesn't know who they are. And even if they know what the Bible says, they don't believe it to be true about themselves. So these are some things that God has said about each and every one of you. This is good for review. I am the image of God. Now, this is true for you. You could say this about you. We could say it about Miss Linda back here. Miss Linda is made in the image of God. We could say this about Zach. Zach is spirit and flesh. We could say this about each and every one of us. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. I'm dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I'm dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I'm buried, by, I'm buried with Christ by baptism. I'm raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am the forgiven and the redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hand. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen. I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame i am predestined for an adoption for adoption i am more than a conqueror i'm an overcomer i am greater i live move and have my being in christ i am a queen in this life i can do all things in, in and through christ who strengthens me i am near to god by the blood of the lamb i am raised and seated with christ in heavenly places lord jesus i'm here to meet with you glory to god how much do you know you say that five times a day, you're going to start flying. You're going to start believing in yourself. You when you start fast, believing in yourself, huh? If you say it that fast, you're probably going to pass out. <laughs> listen, when you begin, listen, you can't, you can't read it that, listen, you cannot read it that fast until you begin to believe it. It's all impossible. Right. And here's the thing. These are all things that God said about us. That's right. In the Bible. And we all know that God's word is true, right? That's right. So if God's word's true, these things are true. That's right. Glory to God. <laughs> now, when you begin to understand that that's who you are, you will then begin to love yourself the way God intended you to love yourself. And it's out of that love that you will begin to treat people well. That's what we're supposed to do. All right, we're two verses in. Glory to God. Let's keep going. All right. When you started reading that, I was like, there's no way we're getting done. <laughs> you didn't know I was going to go through it that fast, did you? No, I didn't. Glory to God. All right, verse 14? No, 15. 15. Okay. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye not... Or be not consumed one of another. Now, just keep reading. Okay. Don't let me get stuck. Come on, just keep going. This, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Keep going. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Okay, he paused. I have to stop. Well, that, right. right there, that, right there, that's confirming where we said, yes, we've got liberty, but not liberty to do okay. whatever we want. All right, he paused. we got to stop. 
What does it mean to walk in the spirit versus walking in the flesh? Let's review. What are we? We are eternal spirit beings. The real you, the true you, the eternal part of you that's going to live forever is down on the inside. That part of you is going to spend eternity in which two places? Heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. Those are your only two places. How do you make heaven? Oh, that's wonderful and beautiful and sweet. You receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Yep. And you live according to the scriptures. It's that simple. How do you end up in hell? You deny Christ and you fail to live according to the scriptures. Let me make it easier. You live by what your flesh wants and desires. That's how you make hell. Well, we don't want to make hell, Pastor. Well, I know. So wait now. What's the difference between flesh and, and spirit? Because you started I out with spirit. I haven't gotten that far. You haven't gotten the flesh. I haven't gotten that far. I've only talked about the spirit. Okay. That's one part of us. How much you know it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost? Right. He's a three-part being. Guess what? You are a three-part being. Part one, spirit. Part of you is going to live forever. Part two, this physical body. This physical body is nothing more than your earth suit. You know, astronauts have space suits. Well, guess what? Our, our eternal spirit has an earth suit that allows us to live on the earth. When this earth suit stops functioning, the spirit leaves it. It's that simple. Okay? This earth suit works, um, works just like the house that you live in. How much do you know? Uh, at the end of the day, you go home, you live in your house. Does the house make you who you are? Nope. No, it's just where you reside. Just like that, our physical body doesn't make us who we are. It's simply where our spirit resides. It's where our spirit lives. Now, that's, so that's part two. What's part three? I'm so glad you asked. That is your soul. What is the soul? The soul is your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your personality. Now, this part gets a little tricky. Okay? This part does get a little tricky. Your, your thoughts, feelings, and emotions are your soul, and your soul, when you leave your physical house, will go with your spirit to wherever your spirit, whatever your spirit's destination is, that is also your soul's destination. Your soul does not determine your destination. Your spirit determines the destination of your soul. Because if you say, if you, because we've confused a lot of people by saying just your spirit goes to heaven, they go, well, what happens to me? What happens to my personality? Your personality still goes. Now, you won't have, and, and so, but here's the deal. Your physical body, your physical house has its own, has, all, has thoughts and feelings and emotions, and your spirit has thoughts and feelings and emotions, and those two kind of collide in the spirit, I mean in the soul. Your spirit, the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of your spirit, the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of your physical flesh, they kind of collide within your soul. So that's where it gets a little tricky. The amazing thing is, is you can train your soul, okay? Your spirit, the, impart, the eternal part of you, once it's alive onto God, will never want to do anything but follow God. 
your spirit is going to be like, come on, let's go read the word. Let's go read the word. Hey, let's go read the word. Hey, you want to go read the word? Let's go read the word. Let's spend some time in the Bible. Let's go your, sing some praise songs. Yeah, your prayer, your spirit is going to be like, I just want to worship God. Can we sing? Hey, can we sing that praise song over and over? Oh, I like that song. Can we sing that song again and again and again? Oh, that's a wonderful song. Your spirit will say, Can we pray? Can we pray? Oh, your spirit will say, Oh, can we go to church? Can we do some church fellowship? Hey, I want to get around that Christian. They're really exciting. They've got some knowledge about God that I could use. That's what your spirit behaves. Your spirit behaves like a small child when it comes to the things of God. It does, always. Your flesh, on the other hand, is going to be like, no, I don't want to read the Bible. No, I don't want to pray. No, I don't want to listen to godly music. I want to listen to secular music. No, I don't want to watch that God TV. I want to watch that rated R show. No, I don't want to go to the safe places on the Internet. I want to go to the bad places on the Internet. No, I don't want to, I don't want to watch things that where people are clean and covered up. I want to watch things where people are a little uncovered and I can see things I don't normally get to see. This is the work of the flesh. This is what the work of the flesh is. Uh, how do you get so the so here in these scriptures Paul is saying by the Holy Spirit he's saying your spirit and your body are always going to be at odds with each other and then he begins to tell us how to fix this war because you don't have to be at war all the days of your life if you go and you follow the flesh and you follow the flesh and you follow the flesh and your mind is always on fleshy things worldly things your spirit has no choice but to be pulled along but on the inside there's always going to be an emptiness on the inside there's always going to be a grief on the inside there's always going to be a ick always why because your spirit doesn't like those things but if you will do the things of the spirit in the beginning i'm not going to lie your body is going to be like yuck why are you making me do this you sit down you you're at the house and you're like, I'm so bored. I can't think of anything to do. But the second you sit down and you pull out your Bible, everything on the sun, under the sun, you can all of a sudden think of it. That cobweb that's been sitting in that corner for the last six months all of a sudden is over there blinking at you with a neon sign going, hey, I'm a cobweb, I'm a cobweb, hey, I'm a cobweb. All of a sudden that schoolwork that you put off or that project at work that you put off, all of a sudden that deadline's right around the corner, man. I got to get that thing done. All of a sudden, you know, I haven't called friends so-and-so in so long. I need to reach out to them. Why? Because the body is doing anything it can to prevent you from doing what your spirit wants you to do. But here's the coolest thing of all. Your spirit has if higher you're, If you're honest with yourself and you think about it for a few minutes, you'll realize that's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your spirit has more authority over your body then we give it credit for. Because if out of your spirit you will say, uh-uh, no way, body. You're going to sit right down here. I was only going to read for 10 minutes. And if you don't shut up and let me alone and let me read for 10 minutes, then I will make you read for 20. All of a sudden, your body will shut up. Now, it might push you. It might kind of like, nee, 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 and, and be hard. But if you'll stick to it and you'll go, oh, you've been bothering me. That's it. I'm doing it for 20 and you make it do 20, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm not playing with her anymore. I'm not. <laughs> they said they was going to make me do 20, and they made me do 20. You might be pushing the 20 minutes. Because, I mean, your flesh will buck. Depending on how much you've allowed your flesh to get away with it will depend on how hard your flesh puts, pushes back. 
That's what it's going to do. So if you've been letting your flesh get away with things for, you know, 10 or 20 years, it's going to have a little pushback. But if you've been letting it get away with things for 50 years, you're going to have a battle on your hands. When I got this, when, when my pastor taught me these things, I had been letting my flesh have its way for 27 years. I was 27 years old, and I had never been taught any different. So when I sat down to read... I was in school. I was told I had a learning disability. I was told in the seventh grade I had a fourth-year college math level and a second-grade reading level. That's a big span. So uh, reading was not my thing. Comprehension was not my thing. They actually had to learn how to read and hear, uh, how to read it with my eyes and hear it with my ears at the same time in order to comprehend because I had this learning disability. So when I sat down with this little bitty mini book on the new birth, which is probably like four pieces of regular paper, it honestly took me a month to read this thing because I would have to read the same paragraph over and over and over and over for about an hour before I could comprehend it. And by then, I was so physically worn out, I literally had to take a nap. And I would nap for two to three hours because I was so worn out. But here's what I did, because my pastor told me. He said, if you'll stick with it, the Lord will teach you. If you'll stick with it, the Lord will heal you. So I'd get up from my nap, guess what I'd do? I'd read another paragraph for an hour, and then I'd take another nap. <laughs> it took me a month to read that little mini book with understanding. And I just kept doing this with every new book that the Lord would show, with the Holy Spirit would say, read that book. I'd pull that book out and I'd read it. Now, I can knock one of those books out and probably, depending on how good I've been about consistently reading, I can knock one of those books out in about 20 minutes, 30, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how consistent I've been. And that's with understanding. Why? Because, my, because I've trained my flesh to be obedient to my spirit and to let my spirit lead. And that's what Paul is saying here. Train your flesh. He said, you need, to, you need to do things that are spiritual, not flesh. And, and he said, and if you'll train yourself to do that, you won't have this problem. So what is some flesh things and what is some spirit things? Because I'm really confused right now. Well, let's read. All right. <clears throat> we were, we, we weren't, th we, yeah, okay. But if ye, if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, or uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like of which i tell you before as i have also told you in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god okay so paul in his writings to christians every letter that paul wrote he wrote to a christian every single one of them paul speaking to christians in the church he wasn't even talking to unchurched christians he was talking to people that came to church every every time the doors were open and back then they had church a lot every time the doors were open they were in there and they were being taught what the word of god said 
And Paul said, listen here, Christian, if this is them, if, if, you, if you do these things as a habitual, in other words, if you do these things on a consistent basis, you're not making heaven. You're not making heaven. Once saved, always saved, not true. So, Zach, if you'll help me here. Now, we went over these last week. Yeah, we went over these last week. If, you'll, if you did not get these last week or you need another copy, let Zach know. We went over these last week. We were here for a little over an hour and a half going over every one of these definitions. Um, we don't have time to do that again this week. So I'm going to give you the cheater sheets. Take your cheater sheets home. If you say, well, I don't know. What, 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 is that, what does that mean to, to work, do things of the flesh? If, if you're not sure, you can check this list. And it's a long list. He, he fit this into, what, two or three verses? It took us five pages to define all these things. There's some big definitions. I can go through them real quick. I got a list here. No, no, no. You no, sure? no, we don't have time. Oh, come on. No, no, no. We don't have time. But here's the deal. Some of these things mean more than you think they mean. I'll just use this one, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Uncleanness is the one that gets me the most. Well, adultery was kind of surprising. Adultery is surprising, because, but uncleanness. Here's the, here's the definition of adultery. He's determined. I know I am. He's Unlawful determined. sexual relations between men and women, single or married. Which, okay. And that's the definition straight out of, out of Dake's um, study Bible. It's, it's the definition. That's not Miss Robbie's definition that's not my definition that's straight out of of a study bible so a lot of people say well i'm not married so i can't commit adultery not according to that definition but the one that gets me is uncleanness now i want you to think about this the definition uh, one of the definitions of uncleanness is to literally be unclean or unkept literally Back in the 20s and the 40s, you know, if you go back through the history of our nation, for the most part, if you look at the history of our nation, if you look at how people kept their bodies, for the most part, we kept our bodies very clean. If you go back and you look, have you ever seen those, those little fashion comparisons? where, like, people in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and even the 50s and the 60s, remember they were always very prim and proper and very well-dressed and very clean. Their hair was cut clean. They, their mustaches and their beards were very nicely cleaned. They, I mean, they had nice clothes on. Why? Because those generations followed God, and they understood that if you did not keep your physical appearance clean it was a sin now i'm not talking about you go you let's say you let's say you're a logger it's a common job around here i'm not talking about you get up in the morning and you put on your 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 work attire that maybe has some holes in it some dirt on it and things like that you know some dirt stains and things like that but and at least they've been washed but at least they've been washed uh, and you go put those things on and you go out and you work your job and you get dirty. That's not what I'm talking about. You're working for a living. You happen to work a job that's dirty. But how much, you know, when you come home, 
Unless you're so exhausted, you fall in the bed and just fall asleep because you're so exhausted. But most of the time, my dad was a mechanic and my dad was a salvage worker. That's what he was. And I was a firefighter. Michael was a firefighter. And uh, listen, those are two very dirty jobs. My dad would come in covered in grease and dirt and hay because you got to lay up under the trailers and hook all that stuff up. And he'd have mud and everything else on him. I mean, he'd just be covered in it. And the first thing he would do when he would come in the house was go take a shower and get clean. See, that's not the sin of uncleanness. No. Now, if he would go and not get clean for days on end, that would be the sin of uncleanness. But no. Anytime, anytime that we left the house, if he had been working, the first thing that he would do before, he'd say, well, let's go do so-and-so. But before I do, I got to go get cleaned up. Now, look at our society today. You go out in society today, you see people that have clearly not had a bath or shampoo cleaned their hair in a week or more. In fact, it's fashionable to put dreads in your hair, which are filthy, dirty knots. And that's fashionable. That's fashionable. They don't wear deodorant. They don't brush their teeth. They go out in public in their pajamas that they've had on for two and three and four and five days. What is this? This is uncleanness. Now, this and is it's just a sin. The, this is just the physical side of uncleanness. This is just the physical yeah. side of it. There are other things, but do you under? But see, this is this is what I'm saying. These definitions mean more than what we understand they mean. Yes, mostly mean. most of the time people focus on the spiritual side of uncleanness, right? Which, which is anything that's the opposite of purity, um, having a dirty mind or dirty sex. <laughs> dirty mind, dirty th- being, being dirty in your thinking, being obscene in your thinking, that is also uncleanness. So these are so. So I encourage you to go through and read these definitions. There's a lot of Christians out there that'll say, "Oh, it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk." Go look at the definition of drunkenness. The word of drunkenness, the word drunkenness means any level of intoxication. You know, out there, in fact, they've got one over here on Peach going on the old river road now. But they've got these signs that say buzz drinking is drunk drinking. See, even society has figured out that even small intoxication is still drunkenness. Well, it's perfectly okay to smoke the wacky weed. Well, uh, you better look at what it says under witchcraft. Well, CDB and all that, it's fine. You better go look at and see what God says about witchcraft. Anything that, that intoxicates the mind is witchcraft. You better watch these things. What are these things? These are the things of the flesh. So Paul lists here 17 different uh, sins, and then he goes on to say, and the such like, which means anything that's like this stuff. Yep. is included as well. Yeah, if, you, if you're reading that definition and you go, oh, that includes that, that's included. Yep. And, that's there, included. And, and if you want to break it down into an easier way to look at it, there's four different types of sins that are listed here. He's got sins of lust. There's four of them listed. Uh, sins of impiety and superstition. There's two of those. There's nine sins of temper, losing your temper um, and causing strife and whatnot. Um uh, and then there's two sins of appetite listed, like eating and drinking, which also would include drugs. That's right. So we don't want to get stuck on this. 
because we're trying to get out of these things. We're not trying to get into these things. Well, if you say, well, Pastor, I've got some, I'm going over this list and I've got some issues in this area. What do I do? Does that mean I'm headed for hell? Not necessarily. But it, what it does mean is you need to get them under control. It means you got things to work what on. What it means is you've got, you, you really need to push into God and get some of these things under control. When, I came, when Pastor Mike and I came back into God after being out of the church for 12 years, there was a lot on that list that we had to work on. But thank God we can now say we don't have anything on that list. I mean, we might trip with anger every now and again, but we're quick to repent. We're quick to get it right. We're quick to make the adjustment. It's not our habitual habit. It's not something that we do all of the time. Amen. Glory to God. All right, let's keep reading. All right. So we're going to go to start to 22. So, but the fruit of the Spirit, meaning the other side of the coin, That's is right. love, joy, peace, suffering. Long-suffering. Long-suffering, sorry. Which is patience. Yes. Gentleness, goodness, faith. Or faithfulness. Meekness, temperance. Which is self-control. Against such there is no law. So God says, when you receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, God immediately put in you his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his goodness, his kindness, his meekness, his gentleness, his faithfulness, his self-control. He put all of these things in you. You automatically have them. The difference is what matters now is that you learn to tap down into your spirit because that's where these things are. The joy of God is not in your head. The joy of God is not in your thoughts and your feelings. The joy of God is in your spirit. The joy of God or the peace of God. That peace that passes all understanding. Listen, your world can be completely rocked. You can have massive storms. I mean, issues in your life that you think there is no way out of this. There is no hope. I'm going down. I'm drowning in this mess. It's over for me. I'm going down. But then you stop and you check your spirit. And your spirit is at total peace. And it can cause you to scratch your head and be like, oh, God, hello, do you not see everything that's going down? And God will look at you and he'll say, child, I already knew this was going to happen. I already have a rescue for you. I already have a way out for you. Sit back, get in my presence, find out my plan, follow my word, and I'll bring you through the storm. But now if you want to sit and waller and have a hard time, he'll let you sit in the storm as long as you want to sit through. God promises in his word that he will bring you through the storm. The question is, is how long will you stay in the storm before you let him bring you through? And he definitely doesn't promise that there'll never be any storms. No. No. In fact, Jesus was very clear. You are going to have storms in your life. He was very clear. So let's read a little bit more. A little bit more. Okay. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Oh, that's a word we don't like. Oh, that word crucify. We don't like that word. 
Oh, we don't like that word at all. You know what that word means? That word means that we put our flesh down. That means when our flesh says, come on, let's get over there and let's hang out with those people. Let's get over there. Let's, let's do a little drinking. Let's do a little partying. Hey, did you, we, uh, we go into the water cooler at work. Hey, I heard some gossip. Let me tell you about what I heard. Did you hear little Susie and little Johnny over there in such and such department? Did you hear they hooked up? And you know they ain't even married to each other. In fact, they married to separate people. You know what that is? That's the flesh. That's gossip. Oh, but when you are Christ and you start to walk to that water cooler, the Holy Spirit will say, don't you start talking about Johnny and Susie. You go over there, you get your water, and you close your mouth. Oh, okay, Holy Ghost. I'm just, I'm just here. I just, and why? Because we crucify the flesh. We tell our flesh, no. We sit down to read the word and the Bible, and, and, and immediately the flesh is like, there's that cobweb. You know, you've got to call so-and-so. Don't you know you're hungry? I know you just ate a sandwich 20 minutes ago, but that just wasn't enough food. I think you need to go to the refrigerator. Isn't there a leftover cake in there? You want some of that cake. Listen, that's when you say, uh, body. Mm-mm. We're dead to Christ. That cake can wait. You ain't getting that cake till we read the word today. What is that? That's crucifying the flesh. How much you know Jesus didn't want to go to the cross? He didn't want to go to the cross. Everybody's like, oh, the, the Christ at the Christ being crucified at the cross. That's how he died. No, he didn't. He died in the garden. Somebody's looking at me like, wait, what, 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 huh? what? No, Jesus died in the garden. Remember when he was there praying in the garden before they came and took him? Remember, he said to the, remember, he, he actually went to his disciples who were supposed to be helping him pray through. Have you ever thought, well, I'll get around my Christian friends. They'll keep me out of trouble. And they walked you right into it. Well, Jesus took his friends with him to the garden to say, help me pray this thing through so I don't sin. So I don't miss the mark with God. And what they do, they fell asleep. They fell asleep. And they didn't fall asleep once. They fell asleep twice. Here Jesus is. Begging and pleading, God, don't let God. I don't want to go to that cross. God, have you seen how these people behave? God, I think these people might deserve. Well, I know they don't deserve it, Lord. But if you had to deal with, I had to deal with. You'd be questioning if that cross was worth it too. How much you know? He was having those discussions. And finally, Jesus came down. Now, how much do you know why they didn't put that in the Bible? Could you imagine if they put Jesus's argument with the Father in the Bible? Well, God. You know, I mean, do you see what they did over there? You know what they're doing over there in that over there in that red light district over there in the ghetto. You know what they're doing? Let me just tell you. And you want me to go to cross to the cross for these heathens? How much you know? We'd read that and go, mm-hmm. well, Jesus obviously didn't want to die for me. So how much, why do you think they don't put everything in the Bible? No, he what what they recorded, which was the part that mattered, Father. If there's any way, he summed up the argument. Father, if there's any way for me to help these people make heaven instead of hell than to go to the cross, if there's any way for me to not have to crucify my flesh, if there's any way, let that come to pass. But if there's no other way, Lord, not my want to, not my will, but your want to and your will. We have to do exactly what Jesus did. We have to say, 
not my want to. Father, I know I want to get angry, but that's not what you want. So I will use the fruit of self-control. I will access the fruit of peace and goodness and kindness and meekness and gentleness. I will get my body in check and I will love them the way that you love me. Yep. It takes all the fruits of the spirit to crucify the flesh. Yes. Which is why he gave us the fruit. Exactly. Glory to God. Let's keep going. All right. So, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions or affections and lusts. In other words, those things that we, that our physical bodies want to do, we tell it no. We tell it no. (laughs) We, no, we ain't doing that. No. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Glory to God. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay. He said, if we live in the spirit, what does it mean to live in the spirit? What it means is if, if our spirit is alive unto God, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then, not, then you are living in the spirit. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are no longer a, re, a legal resident of the earth. You are now a legal resident of heaven. Why? Because you now live by the spirit and not by the flesh. And because we live by that spirit, because we are now spiritually alive onto God, the eternal part of us is alive onto God, now we have an obligation to walk according to that life. That's what this means. He said, let us not be... um, the series of vainglory provoking one another. In other words, he said, listen. He said, don't sit there and say, well, your walk is better than my walk or my walk's better than your walk, provoking one another to anger. Don't do that. And he said, don't be envying of one another. I used this example when we were studying this out. I said, it's kind of like this. Because I have done the work of the word, because I worked the word, when I pray, things happen. When I tell bees to go in Jesus' name, they go. When, I, when I'm driving and cars get on my butt, I tell cars to back off in Jesus' name. Now, I don't sow the seed. I don't get up on people's butt. I don't sow that seed. But when I, use my, when I tell demons to go, they go. When I tell demons, they cannot operate in my presence. They cannot operate in my presence. When I ask, when I command hiccups to go, they go. When I command a body to be healed, it's healed. Why? Is there something special about Miss Robbie or Pastor Robbie? Absolutely not. God is not a respecter of persons. The difference between me and you is I've learned to work the word, and you're still making excuses. So I, would, I experience this all the time. I'll say, well, just command that thing. Just, you know, command that thing. Or let's pray about it and let's get, the, and let's get it. Uh, I ha- I've had people, they say, well, I just, you know, I can't find anywhere to live. Okay, make a list. What you want. Make a list of what you have to have. Make a list of what you want. And uh, we'll, we'll get it to happen. And make a list. And uh, Brother Richard, when he was still here, I was telling somebody else, I said, well, you want to move to Murphy? I said, that's real simple. I said, just, just make us a list and uh, we'll make it happen. And Brother Richard piped up and said, make sure you want it before you get her to pray because once you pray, it's coming to pass. He, I mean, he was quick to tell him. 
Why? Because I've learned to work the word. But people that are envying and that are provoking one another in a wrong manner will say things like, well, you've got a connection to God. Well, God likes you more than he likes me. That's, that's, actually, that's actually envy in a person's heart being mouthed out their mouth. That's what that is. And the Lord said, don't do that. He said, instead of doing that, why don't you work the word like they worked the word? Work the word. That's what Paul was saying. He said, God, God's no respecter of persons. If he'll do it for them, he'll do it for you. Glory to God. It's five minutes to eight, chapter six. Glory sure you don't want to just do some more in five? No, I want to get to this first verse right okay. here. <laughs> I right. want to get to this verse. This verse is an important verse. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. Oh. Or also, thou also be tempted. Oh, boy. Oh, this verse gets looked over a lot. This verse gets overlooked a lot. You know, a lot. we have a habit. Did you know that? We have a habit. We have a habit as Christians of thinking, well, that's just verse 1. There's not a whole lot in there. Ooh, that's a bad thing to think. Because you know that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse? And every single thing that, the, that Jesus, everything that the Holy Spirit was inspired to be in the Bible is there for a purpose. God doesn't waste his words because God knows when he speaks, things happen. So he said in this verse, he said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Now, through all of Galatians, if you've been here with us, you know that for this entire letter, Paul has been talking to the church at Galatia, who at one point, they received Jesus. They were walking in the fruits of the Spirit. They had it going on. I mean, they were, they were the New Testament church. But what happened was some Old Testament Jews snuck in. They snuck in. They said, oh, we're believers in Jesus. Yeah, we're believers in Jesus. We're, we're, and, they, and they got in the church, and they got accepted, and they became part of the flock. And then... This is how the devil works. He'll get you all comfortable and make you and, and get you to put your put your you know your feathers down, kind of get you to calm down a little bit, and then he'll start to kind of feed you a little bit of poison. And these these false brethren, these Old Testament Jews that were still just set on following Old Testament law, began to tell to, began to try to convince these New Testament believers that they had to go back and live under the Jewish law, or they weren't actually gods. And so these New Testament believers, some of them being Gentiles, or being people outside of the covenant, they were getting circumcised to show that they belonged to God. They were starting to take on certain rituals, um, you know, washing the hands and only eating certain foods and doing other things. They were, they were starting to go under the law. And Paul says in this teaching, he said, if you start to follow the law, then Christ is of no effect for you. you if you're going to do any part of the law, you've got to do the whole thing. In other words, if you're going to honor the Sabbath, you've got to do the blood sacrifices. 
if you're going to wash your hands a certain way and you're going to do this a certain way and you're going to get circumcised a certain way, that means you've got to do the entire law. Go read, Deut- go, go read um, Leviticus and it will make your brain hurt. And that's the law that they had to follow. I have tried to dissect that thing and figure it all out. And I mean, my brain turns to mush before I can figure it all out. But see, they grew up with it, so they understood it. But what was happening is they were losing their liberty in Christ because they were coming under the bondage of rules and regulation. And so Paul said, at the end of this letter, he said, and he's telling them, (laughs) from the beginning of this letter, we would say chapter after chapter after chapter, these people are messing you up. These people are trying to get you to fall. These people are trying to get you to fall. And so by now, at the reading of this letter, these people have figured out, I've fallen. I've been overtaken by these people. I'm in a mess. I'm at fault. Now, the pastor of this church is like, what do I do with these people? And Paul, gives, Paul, through the Holy Ghost, gives him an answer. He says, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault. In other words, if there's anybody in the congregation that has fallen victim to these Old Testament Jews and have started doing the law, he saw this. He said, as they be overtaken, those of you that are in the church that are what? Spiritual. Spiritual. He said, those of you that are in the church that are spiritual, in other words, those of you that are in the church that are being led by the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, self-control, those of you that have those fruits in operation, restore that person. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. In other words, go up to him and say, listen, brother, I know you faltered. I know you've made some mistakes. I know you've fallen. I know you've done some things you weren't supposed to do. But you know what? All you need to do is repent. All you need to do is start do, stop doing what you shouldn't be doing. Start doing what you should be doing. I'm here to help you. I'm here to encourage you. This is what I'm This is No, I'm not okay. You know, this is not how you should have behaved. But let's get you going in the right direction now. That's what those that are spiritual in the church should do. Here's why. He said, because notice the semicolon after meekness. In other words, what he's fixing to say is directly connected. He said, because, he said, consider yourself. What if you had been the one falling? How would you want to be treated? He said, consider thyself least, comma, least thou also be tempted. He said, if you don't think about your, he said, if you don't, if you don't treat this person with, with meekness, if you don't try to restore them, you yourself are at risk of falling to the same sin. That's what he said. That's what he said. Do y'all remember Jimmy Swagger years ago? Remember Jimmy Swagger? He got, you know, he's very gifted. Very gifted preacher, very gifted singer. Remember, he got caught in the midst of adultery. Remember, he got caught being with a, with a woman that wasn't his wife. In fact, that's the only thing I remember about it. Um, you know, it is. <laughs> uh, he got he got busted, and the entire Christian church turned their back on him, belittled him, talked bad about him, came after him. I mean, the entire church just, I mean, they loved him one day. They found out what he was doing behind the scenes, and then they just hated him. 
And Dad Hagen got to meditating on this situation and thinking on this situation. And Ken, Reverend Kenneth E. Hagen went to the Lord. We call him Dad Hagen as a term of endearment. He went to the Lord, and he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, he said, tell me something. He said, why does the church, and at that time he was pastoring, he said, why does the church, including my church, not practice Galatians 6.1? And the Lord said, oh, well, that's real simple. He said, it is. He said, oh, yeah. The Lord said, oh, yeah. He said, it's real simple. The answer's in the verse. Dad Hagen said, it is. He said, yeah. He said, go read it. You know, the Lord will talk to you that simple. He will. He'll talk to you that simple. And so he went and he read the verse. And he read the verse. And he read the verse. And he said, Lord, I don't see it. The Lord said, read it a few more times. And he read the verse. And he read the verse. And he read the verse. He said, Lord, I still don't see it. He said, the Lord said, go read it. He said, it's in there. Go read it one more time. And so he sat down and he said, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault. Okay, Lord. So if some man's in, what's he doing? He's meditating. He said, uh, ye which are spiritual. He said, Lord, I see it. He said, the reason it's not practiced is because your church is not spiritual. Your church is not walking according to the spirit. They're walking according to the flesh. Oh, he said, Lord, I see it, I see it, I see it. So he got up. Uh, and, and so when this situation, he had seen this years prior. And so when the situation with Jimmy Swaggart happened, he, by now he's running his big camp meetings. And so he, Jimmy Swaggart came to the camp meeting. Because he's, he's in a desperate place. He needs to be rebuilt up. He needs to be encouraged. He, he needs to be encouraged. He needs, he needs some help from his brothers and sisters in Christ. So he, Dad, hey, so Reverend Hagen saw Jimmy Swagger down there amongst the congregation. And he looked out and he said, well, is that Brother Swagger? And, and yeah, they all, yeah, yeah, that's him, that's him. He said, well, I mean, this is his meeting. There's, a, there's hundreds of thousands of people present. He said, and this is, I mean, and the church world's mad. And he said, Brother Swagger, come up here and join me on the platform. Now, if you know anything about Jimmy Swagger, he's a sobber anyways. He gets emotional when the spirit gets to moving. But he come up on the platform. And uh, he was real meek. And they, the ushers walked him and helped him up, the, you know, got him up there. And, he, and this is what Dad Hagen said to the congregation and Brother Jimmy. He said, Brother Jimmy, he said, we don't agree with sin. How much you know right about now, Swagger's thinking he's about to get a chewing out. He said, we don't agree with the sin. He said, we don't agree with your sin. And we definitely don't condone your sin. How much do you know he's being biblical? And right about now, Jimmy Swagger is thinking, here's the man that stands at the forefront of the prophet's office and he's called me out and he's going to rake me down rake me down he's just going to just just bowl me over and he said but no that's not what kenneth hagin did he said brother swagger he said we don't agree we don't believe in sin we don't condone sin and we're not approving of your sin however brother we do believe 
in restoration. He said, Brother Swaggart, we need you to know that we love you in the love of Christ and we forgive you. Because remember, by now, Brother Swaggart had repented publicly. He said, we know that you've repented. We want you to know that we love you in the love of Christ and we forgive you. And then Dad Hagen took it a step further and he said, congregation, I want all of you to stand to your feet. And he continued with Brother Swaggart. And he said, Brother Swaggart, but we do believe in restoration. He said, congregation, I want you to all say this with me. Brother Swaggart, Nate, follow him. We love you. I'm sorry, let me get it right. He said, he said, say this to him. Say, Brother Swaggart, and they'd follow him. He said, we do not agree with or condone your sin. And they'd follow him. He said, but we do love you in the love of Christ, and we restore you through the love of Christ. What was he doing? He was making sure that his ministry and his church or his ministry and his people behaved spiritually so that this same issue did not come upon him or his ministry. Because what many people don't know is there was another minister, the name will come to me, that did not like Brother Swaggart. And he felt like what Brother Swaggart was preaching was not biblical. So he went after Brother Swaggart and his doctrine. Well, Brother Swaggart and another minister went after that minister, and they were the ones that exposed this other minister for cheating on his spouse. Well, guess what? Brother Swaggart did not act spiritually toward another minister. So years later, the same sin that Brother Swaggart exposed is the same sin that came upon his ministry. We are not to walk in the flesh. We are to walk in the spirit. We are to know we don't condone sin. And we're not okay with sin. And we don't approve sin and we don't get in bed with sin, the works of the flesh. But if somebody, if, if a brother or a sister in Christ does, and there's a willingness to repent and there's a willingness to get their heart right, then what do we do? We behave spiritually to them. And we work to restore them. That's what we do. Y'all didn't know all that was in verse 1. And we do you? it with meekness. And we do it with meekness. Yeah. Now, well, what if it's a sinner and they all and they get all crazy and everything? Can we go gossip in then? No. <laughs> no. No, we can't do that either. Well, we only got one verse in. But it was an important verse. And do you see why we had to back up? See, we had to back up so that you would understand what he was talking about. See, the scriptures, you have to keep them in context. You have to keep them in context. You have to, you have to connect them where they need to be connected. And uh, glory to God. We've got one more Wednesday night service this year. And hopefully, because the rest of the scriptures, I've said this before, uh, but so we'll see. Hopefully we finish next week. I know we've got a whole chapter to do, but it's a real easy chapter. He's just kind of reviewing a few things. Uh, well, hopefully we'll finish this off, and then next, and then starting with our Wednesday nights next year, we'll, I, don't, I don't think, 
you know, every service is by God. I don't think we're going to do another book study because, you know, we did Revelations and then we jumped right into Galatians. I don't think we're going to do another book study immediately. I think we're going to do some some subject things, however the Lord leads us and deals with us. You know, there's from time to time you got to go back and review the basics of faith. And it's necessary and kind of the beginning of the year is a good time to do that. That's what I'm thinking the Lord. I think that's the way the Lord's leading, but we'll find out. So you have to come back. You have to come back. Well, tithes and offerings. You want to bless our tithes and offerings? Oh, sure. Glory to God. Lord, we thank you for this word that we've received. We ask that you, you help us to meditate on this word throughout the week, to think it over and think about it and discuss it and and. Learn all that we can learn from it, Lord, and that we get it down deep on the inside of us that we can draw closer to you because that is our purpose, to become like you, Lord, to become your disciples. And, Lord, we just ask that you help us to do that. You, and you help us to stand against the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, Lord, we take your word, you at your word. As tithers, we are able to rebuke the devourer. Satan, we Satan rebuke, take your hands off. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And you cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. And you will not take this word because it is rooted and grounded in my heart in Jesus' name. Glory to God. I just love to yell at the devil. I do. I love to just yell at him. Just <laughs> Get on out of here, devil. I like to say it this way. I like to just punch him in the face. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory and honor. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is working. Satan's bound. The angels are going out causing prosperity to come. And, Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. You can serve the people. Amen. Glory to God. Well, Sunday is our wonderful Christmas Eve. We'll see you that morning. If you're, if you're tied up with family, we understand. But, I've, but if not, we'll see you that morning at 10 o'clock for service. We will not have healing school on Christmas Eve, but we will have our Christmas Day service at 5. Well, evening, but yeah. Christmas Day evening service. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. You are the healed of the Lord, sir. Well, look at that. That's awful sweet. Glory, 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 glory. I need one of these before I get some, before I breathe on anybody. Hi, Miss Linda. How are you? Good. Good to see you. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. Good. Everything going okay? Yeah. Everything's going well. Good. All right.